Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are NBA's biggest stars shine on the NBA's brightest day, recapping the Christmas Day games. Ovechkin makes history. The Denver Broncos head coach doesn't even last a full season. What is going on with the Broncos? One less Watt brother in the NFL, JJ calls it quits. The NFL's best of the best were announced. Who got snubbed from the NFL Pro Bowl roster? Ringing in the new year with college football's biggest bowl games. Who will start off 2023 on a high note? With that, I give you our Chief Fire Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here. Hey, we're here on a Friday night, party night here in the studio, uh, live in Matt's basement, Delaware, Ohio. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the NBA on Christmas Day. Most of them, for, you know, those five games, for the most part, were pretty good games. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, I didn't have them written down the way they appeared on Christmas Day, but the first one on uh, that I had written down that I wanted to talk about was the Nuggets and the Suns, a game that went to overtime. The Nuggets wound up pulling it out by three points, 128 to 125. Um, the Joker had quite the game, a game I, I picked wrong. Um, obviously, I, I picked the Suns to win, but – I think maybe that had something to do with Devin Booker not lasting the whole game going out, you know, with uh, just four, a little over four minutes into the game. I think it was a re-injury of that groin injury possibly. Um, And now is something even extended. I saw something where he's out now at least four, four weeks now. So that's not not good for the sun. Right, right, right. So, um, (laughs) you know, but uh, like I said, the Joker went off 41 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's only the third time in history that's been done in fourth, the end. Fourth, fourth, fourth time. time, fourth time in history. Yep. So, uh, you know, kind of puts himself in elite company there. So, give me your guys' take on that game. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, to me, it's you know, obviously Nikola Jokic did did what he did to keep Denver in that in that game, and you know, kind of put the team on his back. But you know, I'm surprised that with you know with Devin Booker only playing the four minutes that he did, mm. that the Suns really were in this game yeah, or you yeah, know yeah. really had had a way, shot. Yeah. Um, you know. Actually, the Suns, you know, the guard that came in to replace Booker off the off the bench in uh, Landry Shamit was was the guy that, you know, filled in for Booker when he went down. He actually stepped up. He went 10 for 20 from the field and, and scored 31 points. Um, so, you know, he filled in pretty, pretty nicely for, for the Suns. But, uh, you know, just obviously not having your, your superstar and your all star out there in, yeah. in Devin Booker, uh, you know, just just, you know, at, at the end has hurt the Suns, but this is a team that, that that's really kind of hitting the skids here recently. You know, after this game was over, they had, they've, they've dropped eight of their past 11 games coming yeah. at, you know, now after losing, you know, on Christmas day, I mean, the injury bug has really just, just hit them pretty, pretty hard here. And now with Devin Booker being out even more time than, than what you, you had hoped for, it, it's not looking good for the Suns who we're used to seeing be, a, you know, a dominant team in the, right. in that Western Conference. Yeah, like you said, I think the big difference, like you both said, was Devin Booker getting injured in this game with only four minutes. That, that's just, that's rough for any team to overcome. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, the fact that they stayed in this thing, took it to overtime, had a chance to win at the end, you know, you can't ask for much more in the Suns right. after losing your superstar. But, you know, they, they need to get healthy. They, they need to get back on the same page playing as a team again because there, there's a lot of talent there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of feel for Chris Paul. I, I want to see that guy win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a classy guy. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, and he played, he had a decent game right. in this game as well. So, you know, 
I, I think the Suns are going to be all right once once they get healthy. Right. And I think this game showed that they've got some depth on this team. Too. Right. The replacement coming in. Right. Putting up 31. I think I think that helps a team. You yeah. know, now that they have faced adversity, had yeah. some of these injuries, it, it has caused some of those backup guys to have to step in and fill bigger shoes. So I think in the end that that may help the Suns yeah. in the long run going into the playoffs. Not have where, that big drop off. Right. When, where when Chris Paul does finally hang it up right. or whatever. Right. And even you know going into the playoffs or you know whatever when when depth may come into play or more yeah, into play feel okay to rest somebody for a few minutes right and, and yeah get quality minutes out of your back absolutely absolutely yeah. so yeah okay um yeah the other game i got wrong uh i thought the grizz were going to be able to steal one from golden state yeah. uh no not so much All right um you know i think what hurt the grizzlies was they went nine of 39 from three-point mm-hmm. range um mm-hmm. that's tough in the nba to you know to win a game you know that's has become such a big part of the game you know, I'm still concerned with what's going on with Golden State. Um, you know, they had six technical fouls in this game. <laughs> yeah. They they still seem to have trouble keeping their emotions in check. I think uh, uh, the foul factory, the technical foul factory there in Draymond Green's already up to like six or eight technical <laughs> yeah. fouls for the season already. Mm-hmm. They just seem to be, uh, you know, emotionally not uh, keeping their heads in the game and you know, going forward without, without Steph, I, you know, I don't know how many more games he's going to be out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to, to me, Draymond, you know, I want to see a guy play with emotion, but to be a leader on a team, you got, you got to be able to keep those emotions in right. check too. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be, be able to play with emotion without, uh, you know, without costing your team, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just don't see him doing that. When in this game, I think he only scored, what, three or four points right. total. So, you know, right. getting those technical fouls, he's, he's given up as many points as he's getting. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's not a good recipe for success. But, you know, what was good for the Warriors here, they had six players in this game scoring double digits. Mm-hmm. Memphis had four players, but most of them were, like, just 10. Right. You know, the only guy that really went off on them was uh, the, their superstar in John Morant. Right. But I think that was kind of by design. I think the Warriors said, "Okay, we'll let him get we'll his. let him get his. We're right. going to stop everybody else." Right, and right. It kind of paid it paid some dividends for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you hit it hit it the nail on the head there, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ja, it's his first you know Christmas Day game. He had talked about it. You know, leading up to this game, he was you know super excited. Um, you know, obviously, I think it would have been a different ball game, different environment if this was at Memphis or mm-hmm. you know whatnot. Obviously, playing at Golden State. No matter how good or bad Golden State is, that environment, you know, their 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 people show up for for those games. But, um, you know, but hats off to you know a guy that has filled in for another injury, you know, in, in Steph Curry, you know, Jordan Poole has now you know had to take on a bigger a bigger role. And we know what he did last year. I mean, he had a great you know great year last year. We weren't really sure what you know how he was going to transition or if he could follow that great year up with another good another good year after right. getting a big you know big contract extension from from the Warriors, but he's filled in or at least, you know, filled in during this game for, for Steph Curry. And uh, I mean, at 32 points and 32 points himself. I mean, also another guy that, that has to somewhat keep, you know, keep his emotions in check, you know, in the fourth quarter got, got ejected, you know, mm-hmm. fourth quarter where it's somewhat crunch time or right. can be crunch time. You know, you, you, you gotta be out there to, to at least give your chance, give your team a chance to win. And, and unfortunately, you know, got, got ejected in this one, but uh you know these two teams have some have some bad blood between mm-hmm. each other. I mean these these are the two teams that met in the Western that met in the Western Conference semifinals last year. That was a pretty you know chippy back and forth you know physical you know uh, matchup last year. So I I see a little bit of a a rivalry brewing here right. between you know kind of the 
the old school, if you will, in the in Golden the State were and the up and comers yeah. in, in, in Memphis here. So that, that's something to monitor and see. You know, obviously the Warriors are, are you know, outside of the playoffs right now, but seem to be somewhat maybe playing better ball here here of late, you know, trying to navigate things without Steph Curry. And obviously the, the Grizzlies are up there towards, you know, towards the top as one of the, you know, not only the best teams in, in the West, but, you know, best teams in, in the NBA. So we'll see. We'll see what happens or how it plays out the rest of the season. But, you know, definitely a, a shocker. I did not not see, you know, Golden State pulling out. You know, right. I, I thought they, you know, might have a chance to win, but I didn't see them winning by, by 20 points yeah. or, you know, so in, especially in this one. without without their superstar. Yeah, without Steph in this one. And uh, but uh, yeah, nobody else from Memphis really just, you know, showed up. It, it was all all job rant and nobody else really, really came to came to play. So, uh, you know, obviously one one guy can only do do so much. You got to have a little bit of supporting cast right. there to, to get a W. So. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's kind of nice to see a, a rivalry brewing here, a little bit of bad blood going back and right. forth, kind of. Goes back to the old days, of the NBA. Right. You know, Jordan, the Bulls, and right. the Knicks, and right. you know that kind of the stuff. Bad it's, from it's, yeah, right. it's just it's, it's it's more exciting. It's more fun right. when, when these guys aren't all in a love fest with each other. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. so I, I think that's pretty cool that you know, these guys are playing and putting it all on the line right, and really right. playing hard. So. In, in a regular season game, yeah. obviously, you know, Christmas, the Christmas Day games have a, have a different a elevation than you know just a normal you know NBA sure. regular season game, but. It's nice to see that even during the regular season, we're, we're maybe seeing because everybody's ticked off. They'd rather be home eating. Their <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe they'd rather be unwrapping <laughs> gifts and spending time with their family or, you know, maybe not. Who knows? They, they uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely made for, you know, an exciting game or, you know, seeing some, some of these, you know, younger teams, you know, start to build some of these, these rivalries like we used to see back in the nineties yep. and the eighties. So, <clears throat> all right, very good. Uh, Celtics and the Bucks. Uh, I picked this one. Um, the Bucks. You know, did you know Giannis got his? He got twenty-seven points, which is you know about average for him. Um, but you know, watching this game, you know, we were flipping around, watching football, watching basketball, you know, flipping channels or whatever in between, trying to pay attention to the family too. But uh, um, you know, I, I thought Boston just played more physical in this game. They just really got after it. I thought, um, you know, I, I thought they played more physical and more focused, and you know, just you know. Uh, Brown scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. And, you know, like I said, even, you know, Giannis got his 27 points. He got dunked on by Tatum, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, Tatum had, what, 41, 41 points, points, I think. So, yeah. you know, I, I just thought the Celtics looked a little sharper and just, you know, looked like they, they came out on a mission to, you know, to – to get that W on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah. You talk about being sharp, but they shot almost 60% from the field mm -hmm. and almost 50% from the three-point line. Right. There, there's helps. not many teams that are going to beat you when you're having a shooting yeah. night like that. Right, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, that, you know, as much as Giannis, you know, 27 points, you know, we, we're, we're expecting or, you know, used to him scoring more than, I mean, right, 27 right. points and he only went nine of 22 mm -hmm. from the from the field. I mean, right. he had to earn every every point, I think, you know, we, we came into it. We thought, oh, you know, Giannis, there's nobody on the Celtics really going to be able to guard him. But the Celtics figured it out. They did yeah. something to, to right. limit him from doing too much damage, um, you know, and, and wind up taking a, you know, a 20 point, you know, victory in this one. And, you know, a game and I, I picked wrong, I thought would be, you know, a lot closer. I thought the Bucks would come out on top. But ultimately, I think, you know, that shooting from the Celtics, but also the environment in Boston, they, they yeah. you know, that crowd was was ready to go. And, you know, just just, you know, Bucks never really were able to able to recover from from the start you know I, I think the celtics led pretty much from from the jump mm -hmm. so it was uh you know yeah. impressive win for the celtics and they they keep their their streak going 
All right. Uh, another game I got right, uh, the Mavs and the Lakers. But, you know, it didn't look that way in the first half. You know, the, the Mavericks only scored 43 points in the whole first half. And it's like, man, what? Uh, where did they go? You know, LeBron played a good – he had 38 points, mm-hmm. I think. You know, that he's playing well. Uh, but I don't know how much you can ask the, that guy to do. But then, you know, Dallas came out in the, in the third quarter there and scored 51 points in the third quarter, to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and didn't look back from there. I think the – Lakers kind of made a mini run there, but uh, never never really closed that big gap that the that Mavericks opened up in the third quarter there. So yeah. that was uh, it was quite a quite a quite a third quarter for Dallas. Right. Yeah. No. I think uh, like I said, LeBron. It, I mean, I watched you know the first opening tip and you know first you know quarters or whatever. I mean, he looked like a man on a mission. Looked like a guy that knew without Anthony Davis, somebody else has to step up on this team and has to you know try to do what he can or as much as he can because. Yeah, I just don't know how they're going to navigate without, you know, almost a 30-point score, you know, 15 rebound in a night kind of right. guy. You got to get the production from somewhere. And and I just don't think the Lakers have any other role players or have any mm-hmm. other guys that are going to step up in that moment. It's got to be – it's got to be Russ, Russell Westbrook, and it's got to be LeBron. And in this game, it, it was LeBron. But at a, at a certain point, he's, you know, 38 years old. It, it, you know, he, he's going to run out of gas. Right. or You know, there's only so much that he can do. He's got to get – some help from somewhere else. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, you know, the Mavericks, you know, star point guard Luca, you know, had 32 points himself, um, you know, shot, shot okay from the floor, you know, only shot 16 total shots, but was 12 of 16 from the free throw line. And that was a big key for me, you know, coming into this, the Mavericks force you, they, they get a lot of foul calls and they get to the free throw line. They get, they get to the line a lot. They, they convert a lot of those free throw, you know, attempts and, and get, you know, a lot of easy points that way. And, and uh, you know, yeah, that that third quarter was was obviously the difference. They they scored fifty one. The Lakers only scored twenty one. That's a that, a thirty point swing right there. You know, in in one quarter. That, and, and if you take that take that third quarter out of this game, and, and the Lakers are running away. Oh with yeah, this they're thing. Blowing, I mean, blowing this out. So yeah. that, that got a, that has to give a little bit of confidence to the Lakers. Right. They, three out three out of four quarters, they they kind of dominated this right. game. If they yeah. can put a full game together, mm-hmm. they, they'll be all right. Right. But that, that, just LeBron aging, it doesn't help. When Westbrook just can't seem to get it, figure it out. No, be LA. consistent just, enough. Yeah, yeah. it's not, it's right. not coming it, together. I, sh- I don't know what they can do. He shows some flashes, or you know, Westbrook will show some flashes of being, you know, mm. that same Russell Westbrook that we're used to seeing or have seen or whatever. But then, yeah, just the consistency is not not there, um, right. and, and it's tough with again, you know, Anthony Davis not being in there as well as he was playing before he went down with the injury. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, this Lakers team, I think they're going to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Right. But when it comes to the, you know, the teams that are, you know, playoff contenders, I, I think they're going to they're going to struggle and mostly on the on the defensive side side of the ball. So. All right. The last game. Uh, well, I, I think it was actually the first game of the day, mm-hmm. but uh, the 76ers and the Knicks, um, the Sixers wound up pulling this one off. I think I, I got this one right as well. One nineteen to one twelve. You know, Embiid got his. He looked good. You know, he thought he had talked after the game. He said, I thought I was playing kind of soft, but I, I thought he looked great. Mm-hmm. You know, he's leading the NBA in scoring. Um, the Knicks, you know, they, they they were in this thing. This was a tight game the whole way through, and then they wound up only scoring 16 points in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of ran out of gas there in the fourth quarter. And uh, I, I think, Colton, you made mention of this, that they've made the most appearances on Christmas Day. I mm-hmm. think you mentioned this. And mm-hmm. uh, they – don't play well on Christmas Day. They're twenty three and thirty two on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess uh, I, maybe uh, it was in my subconscious when I when I made this bet on the 76ers. But, right. Uh, you know, uh, if you're betting a uh, straight line, then you want to, you know, you're going to bet against the Knicks. Fade on, the Knicks. On, you on know. Christmas Day. Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, it, you know, you hit it there. You know, the 76ers, I mean, this was a game the Knicks led through all three quarters. Yeah. You know, all I mean, three it was qu- tight. It was a close game. It was a close game. But, yeah, the, the Knicks held it, you know, all three quarters they led. Then to start the fourth quarter – the Knicks went on a 20 or I mean the, the 76ers went on a 24 to nine run to start the fourth quarter. I mean that, and I think by the third quarter, it was like a two point. Yeah. I think the yeah. Knicks were maybe a two point or one point, you know, leading it and to start the fourth quarter, 76ers went on a 24 to nine run. Uh, I mean, that just, yeah, that, that, you know, obviously the fourth quarter was, was the Knicks demise. They just didn't, yeah, didn't have enough left in the tank. And it, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, talking about the game, I thought, the 76ers would do better at, at keeping the Knicks off the, off the boards. Um, but the Knicks, uh, Knicks actually out rebounded the 76ers 46 to 32 and 12 to five on just the offensive glass. I thought, you know, obviously the Knicks came into it. The stats said the Knicks, you know, they lead the league in on offensive rebounds and, and rebounding in general. But I thought, you know, the 76ers with, with a bigger lineup out there, you know, Embiid and whatnot out there, I thought that they would do a better job, but they, they didn't, but the Knicks never, you know, didn't take enough advantage of, of those extra looks and extra, you know, opportunities. Yeah, well, coming into this, you know, I said I thought it would be the 76ers simply because the, the biggest stars shine brightest on the biggest days. And, you know, like you said, Embiid showed up. He scored 35, but so did his running mate. Harden showed up. He put up another 29. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got two guys going off combining for 64 points, that mm-hmm. that's that's going to make for beat. a tough night to yeah. beat. And, that, you know, those stars shine. They shine bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, for the Knicks, uh, Randall played played pretty well himself. Yep. You know, I think he had thirty one or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, thirty five. Thirty five. Okay, yeah. Yep. I mean, I he, you know he had a nice game, kind of offsetting what Embiid did. But mm-hmm. you know, they, they I think the the Knicks kind of struggle to have that second or third guy that can can really get them over the hump. And, right. Right. You know, I I think they're up and coming though. I, I think the Knicks are going to be there. Right. At the end, at least in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right, well, let's switch gears here just a little bit. Still going to stick with the professional ranks, but we're going to go over to the Frozen Pond here a little bit and uh, talking about a guy passing a milestone this week, and Alex Ovechkin uh, passed Gordie Howe for number two on the all-time goals list. Um, You know, he passed – Gordie was sitting at 801, and right now Alex is sitting at 803, uh, still behind the great one by a pretty good distance there, but – you know, to th- you know, and that's those are great numbers. But I guess uh, uh, the stat that stands out to me, he's done it with the same club his whole career, mm-hmm. been with the Washington Capitals right. his right. whole career. And you know, to me, a guy that's loyal, a guy that's you know stuck with his club, man, that to me that that just means the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, and the guy that he's trailing, Wayne Gretzky, I believe he played on four different teams right. throughout his career. Right. So you know that, that that really does say something about longevity mm-hmm. and. Impl- Playing on that same team, right. that's been a team that's been good pretty much his entire career yeah. there as well. Right, right. Washington's always played well with him as their leader. You know, you can't beat that. But I, I, I don't know that he's ever going to catch Wayne no. though. I mean, yeah. he's what about ninety goals, ninety one goals, goals behind yeah. him. Yeah. And uh, Gretzky did though play over a hundred more games than Ovechkin has. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess if Ovechkin could have that longevity, maybe he'd have a shot to get there. But I, I just I don't I think Ovechkin probably hangs it up before he gets that many more yeah, games. Yeah, you know, and Gretzky was blessed, but he stayed healthy. Yeah. I mean, his whole career mm-hmm. he was right. he stayed healthy. So yeah, I, I 
that's almost insurmountable, I would think. I mean, you never say never, but right. right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I mean, uh, Ovechkin, you know, he's thirty-seven years old. I mean, you know, older for for a, you know a hockey player, or maybe you know at the, at this point. But I mean, so far this year, he already has twenty-two goals on the on the year. Um, he scored he scored at least twenty-four goals in every season he's been in the yeah. NHL. Um, and, and he's only one of three players to score 20 or more goals in 20 in, in 18, at least 18 seasons. So yeah, I, I'm not saying never, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, if he can stay healthy, if he can, right. you know, somewhat keep up the production, I think, I think it's possible. Um, because I mean, the crazy stat for me is the guy that he just passed Gordy Howe. He scored his 800th goal at the age of 51 oh, years yeah. old. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even realize how, <laughs> you know, how long he played. So, right. I mean, if, if Ovechkin's able to, you know, play, I mean that's that's another mid forties. Yeah, yeah, that's another ten or you know fifteen and that's years. That's back when they like you know. They, yeah, they let them. They you scraped know. up the eyeballs. <laughs> right, it was like watching boxing on you know yeah. on the ice you know on the ice rink. Uh, those so were, those were men that played hockey. Right, back right, then. right. So I think if Ovechkin, yeah, if he you know depending on you know how things play out, I mean, yeah, he could possibly play for another you know ten years or whatever. I mean, if he scores another twenty goals, we're we're oh, looking yeah. at yeah, you are looking at a thousand goals. Yeah, we're looking, but I'm not saying that's but that that is just you know based on the right, numbers right. so far. You know, I, I think he might have a, a legitimate shot as long long as he can stay you know stay healthy um because this is a guy that you know obviously washington has been a good team a consistent team that usually kind of gets to the playoffs and whatnot so those goals you know somewhat count towards his you know towards his you know numbers and whatnot because they've been able to go deep in the playoffs and get to the playoffs and whatnot um but yeah at the end of the day this is you know hats off you know to him to do it with one team you don't right. see that much anymore in in the current in you know current professional ranks and, and yeah like that's it in any in any perfect in any professional sport um but yeah it's it's uh you know gonna be interesting you know i i guess i want to throw a question out there if he is able to pass wayne dretzky mm-hmm. is he the goat of hockey does he now become the great one yeah is he the great uh, of hockey? My, my answer would be no gretzky did it all where Ovechkin's he's a scorer he's not known for his defense mm-hmm. he's, he's not known for a lot of other Assist. things in hockey right. Assist, yeah he, he's just a pure scorer mm-hmm. where, where the great one Wayne Gretzky did everything right he, he was the ultimate team player <laughs> yeah different era too yeah. I think and you got to look at I mean Gretzky has four Stanley Cups mm-hmm. Ovechkin right. only has one and it, right. and it wasn't until point, like right. 10 five ten years ago mm-hmm. that Ovechkin got his got his very first one so you know looking at, at that I mean I don't know. It'll be definitely an interesting debate if we get to that point. But yeah, I think, you know, the Stanley Cups and and then, you know, maybe looking at, you know, some of the other, you know, stats and whatnot on on the flip side, you know, not just from an offensive state conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, Right. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So very good. We're going to take a real quick commercial break and uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. 
Okay, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Going to stay in the professional sports, a uh, little different topic here. Uh, this week, the Denver Broncos fired their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, um, not even a full season in. I don't know. You know, I, I, I guess I wasn't surprised, but I, I'm not sure that uh, the head coach is a problem. I'm hearing a lot of other, you know. Yeah, it's, there's, there's, it's getting ugly It's in a dumpster fire, I think, in Denver right now. Um, right. You know, that the, the – Russell Wilson's not playing like we expected Russell Wilson to play. Um, teammates aren't happy with him. They're upset that he's being treated differently than the rest of the team. Uh, the new coach. What? I thought it was a joke when I heard it. He was like the timekeeper. <laughs> he was the, uh, what? yeah, was the team's. Yeah, uh, yeah, he he, he actually management. He got actually hired in September, so he wasn't even like a part of the staff. You know, at the beginning of the season or to start the the season, he got hired in September to basically manage in game, like in game management is basically what he <laughs> is. Because the first couple games or first you know start to Denver season, there were a couple of gaffes by the head coach, you know, the former head coach of you know not knowing what was going on mm-hmm. in the game and just you know kind of forgetting the moment and how many timeouts and you know, all that stuff. So they. Hired this guy to somewhat, you know, kind of help help some of that or, you know, right. alleviate some of those those problems. So I, I think it just speaks volumes that if you're the Denver Broncos, if you're any of the coordinators, any of the coaching staff, you better start getting your resume polished yeah. up because if, if they weren't even gonna Consider promote, you promote somebody internally, interim. they hired hired a guy or took over as the interim coach. That, that tells you even, what how much time's left on the clock. That there he the guy wasn't even on the staff to begin the offseason. Yeah obviously speaks volumes that they don't believe in anything that the former coach did or right. doesn't trust any of the coordinators or any of the guys on the staff. So if I, yeah, if I'm any of the Broncos, you know, coordinators, whatever, I'm get that, get that, resume. get that resume ready to go because it, it it's probably going to be, you know, at the end of the season, it's, it's going to be, be yard sale. yeah, cleaning house completely. But I just, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not surprised because obviously they didn't have the season they wanted to have, but, 12 games, 11, you know, four and 11, obviously not a great record, but not even a full season. You're going to let the guy, you're going to let the guy walk. I mean, right. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I mean. Really? What did you, ex- I mean, what were yeah. the expectations? Right. Like, I mean, I, I get it. They brought in, the they, they, they brought I mean, Russell Westbrook or Russell Wilson in and they, they you know, thought he was going to be, you know, better than what he is. But, you know, obviously bringing in a new system, new team, you know, not being there, whatever there's going to be some growing Zero pains. Zero continuity. Here right. I, I, I don't know. Did I say Wessel, Russell Westbrook? When I... No, you said, you said Wilson. <laughs> I, I, I messed <laughs> it up, okay. but uh, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't get, I, I'm never happy with teams that, that fire their coaches. That don't even give him a full season. A full right. season. Right. What, what? Well, to, and, and to that point, He's only the fifth coach all time to not make it through the, the whole season. Whole season. Right. So I mean, it this, this become, isn't very. It's, it's becoming rare, more but, common, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, like, last year it was Urban. This right. year now with Hackett, right? It's, you know, I I don't know. It's like you said. What do, what do you expect from these guys? But you know, I don't. I'm not sure Hackett should have even been hired to be a head coach. We in the questioned first place. it when it was when that yeah. when that when that decision he, was made. He, he didn't have any head coaching experience. He had a couple of good years with Green Bay, mm-hmm. but. Was that because he did such a great job, or is that because he had Aaron Rodgers right. and that great offense they had there right. in the first place? Right. You know, I, I mean, Green Bay has 
recessed a bit, but you know they also got rid of their star wide receiver. So mm-hmm. right, who's who's to blame or who's yeah, the, you know I, what's the reason so for the I, downfall? I'm, I'm not sure Hackett was even cut out for this job to begin with. So mm-hmm. so maybe right. maybe they're just admitting they made a mistake and mm-hmm. let's just cut now and start fresh next year. But and, and I guess at this point hindsight's 2020. But you know the other two guys that were the finalists for you know for this position before they hired Nathaniel Hackett was. The former Rams offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach at the Minnesota Vikings, and Kevin O'Connell, and obviously we've seen what the Vikings mm-hmm. have done. Yeah, they're they're all season. they're having a great you know great season. Mm-hmm. So maybe they missed out, maybe they didn't. You know who right. knows? But then the other other finalist was was Dan Quinn, who's the the current Dallas Cowboys uh, defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and and Dallas's defense has has been much improved since he's come come right. to Dallas. So but the defense wasn't the problem this mm-hmm. year for for Denver. It was the offense. They 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 scored they're sitting at 15 and a half points a game. I mean, that that's, that, that, you ain't winning no games right. scoring that many right. points. Not, not your your defense can be phenomenal, be mm-hmm. the best in the league. And at 15 points a game, you're, you're probably still, still not going to be very, very good in this, well, in this day. Yeah, and another age. thing I heard too, is that the offensive coordinator, and I, and I, I thought I wrote his name down, but I didn't, I, and I didn't, but they said that he wasn't even interested. Mm-hmm. The Denver offense. He said, no, I, I, so <laughs> that yeah, tells you right there. So yeah, there, there's some you know yeah. dysfunction. That, that tells you right there that that's it's a mess. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess at the same time, you know, it it you know we talked about it when when with Scott Frost about how many one you know one possession games they had mm-hmm. lost and how we could have been talking about how Scott Frost was getting this big extension from Nebraska instead of getting fired. Well, the same probably could be said for for Nathaniel Hackett. Five of the Broncos' first six losses and eight losses total this year have been one score games. Yeah. I mean, we, we could be talking about a guy that, that could be playing, you know, for a possible Super Bowl at this right. point. Coach but, of the year award. But just couldn't, you know, and, and, and again, maybe that has to do with this whole in-game management, you know, not knowing the clock, not knowing, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But, you know, I, I just think you're that close to winning so many games, you know, are you really willing to, to tear it all down and start all over again to, to bring in somebody new because of you know, because of I, what I, I don't. And know. I got to think how this guy's life changed. He gets hired in September as a clock management manager, <laughs> yeah. and now he's a head coach. Right. right. Like two months later, he's a head coach. And I mean, it's not like this guy's you know not in the NFL or it's never. It's not like they hired some dude off the street right. or you know some whatever. I mean, the guy was a, a, a former Baltimore Ravens assistant coach before coming over right. to to take over what he thought was just the in-game management position, <laughs> right. but now is the, you know, new head coach. There's only two games left in the year, but yeah, I just, I, they, cause they, they've already started cleaning house. They, they not only they fired a head coach, they got rid of their special teams coordinator and they fired their offensive line coach. So they've already started, you know, yeah. somewhat yeah. cleaning yeah. house. So it, it, the next, you know, the next steps is pretty much everybody else, right. you know, outside of, you know, some of the players, it, it, it's going to be a, a full clean house and, and, and start over kind of deal. But I just I don't know how you build a team when you are changing. Sound like there's a lot of problems, right? If you're changing the, the the team that that quickly, in my in my opinion, but it starts on the offense again. I, I think they go after somebody with an offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's a guy again that that hasn't had much coaching experience, I doubt that they go that route since that experiment didn't work right. here. Yeah, but but again, who are you gonna find? You know, veteran. What's you know, wise that that that's gonna be better than what you what you got. So, but I think it starts at the end of the day. They're gonna have to try to find somebody to get to rejuvenate Russell Wilson and, and get that get that offense you know going because 
the defense is not not the issue. It's that offense that just can't score points. It can't move the ball. They can't can't score points. So. Well, I will say your guys as a head coach going to be the first on a lot of lists. I think right now. Right. Well, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be getting a lot of phone calls. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It, it's, turn it's turn a, your phone off, Jim. It's, it's always always out there, but, yeah, I hope, I hope not. <clears throat> All right, well, another big announcement this week. J.J. Watt says he's done at the end of this season. Uh, you know, here's a guy, 111 and a half sacks so far in his career. Uh, to me, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, kind of, you know, he's a guy that close to my heart. His dad was a professional firefighter. Actually had the pleasure of meeting some guys at a firefighter conference that actually worked with his dad. And, uh, you know, he, he is what you would expect. They said, uh, you know, just a, just a good dude, uh, has done a lot of stuff for guys that, 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 you know, do work in my profession has made a lot of, you know, donations to local firefighters and the, you know, in the cities that he's worked in. So, you know, it's a guy that uh, I have a lot of respect for, but uh, you guys tell me what you think. Yeah, I think uh, what, you know, from what I was reading, th this story kind of sticks out to me the the most or, you know, just crazy how things play out and how, how you know, the world works. I mean, coming out of high school, J.J. Watt was a, a two-star, two-star recruit, yeah. went, went to Central Michigan, um, and, and on his freshman year, he was a tight end. He played tight end for Central Michigan. Only had eight catches and seventy-seven yards in, in fourteen games. Actually, left after his freshman year. The, the coaches wanted him to stay, but then they wanted to switch him to play offensive tackle. <laughs> he said, "I, I, I no, no I'm done. I don't. I'm not doing that. Whatever." He actually went back home, went to a community college, was delivering pizzas for <laughs> a living. Before he then went to Wisconsin, where he walked on, wasn't even you know wasn't a you know didn't get a scholarship, nothing like that. In 2008, you know, redshirted that first year at Wisconsin, didn't, you know, didn't play. Then then in 2009, 2010, he switches to defensive end at Wisconsin. And from there, it, you know, the rest is history, the rest yeah. is history. I mean, at Wisconsin, he had 11 and a half sacks, uh, 106 total tackles, which is kind of crazy for a defensive end to have that high number of, of tackles. Mm -hmm. um, but and, and like I said, after that, it was all history from there, you know, got drafted 11th overall by Houston, obviously broke tons of records as far as defensive goes, you know, for, for the Houston Texans, you know, spent the last couple of seasons with the Arizona Cardinals, but yeah, I think a guy that's just going out, maybe still at somewhat at the peak of his career, still somewhat in, in good, you know, good shape, but, you know, just saying that there's, there's more to life than, than football at, at this time, you know, just gave birth to his, you know, first child um, and, and, you know, wants to, you know, have memorable time with, with his family or, you know, with it, with his kids. Um, but yeah, just a, a, a stand-up guy on and off, on and off the field, uh, you know, raised several hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for, you know, the local communities. I mean, it just, you know, n a, not enough can be said about, about the guy. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, as great as his career was though, I, I'm not sure about first ballot Hall of Famer, only simply because the teams he was on never really achieved mm -hmm. great right. success. You, you know, know, they made the playoffs a couple times. And, the thing I like, but I think that might, you know, now you see teams pairing two great end players together. Right. He played on it, you know, the Titans team where he was. Texans, yeah. Texans. Or the Texans, yeah. yeah. He played on a team where he was he the, was the top, you yeah. know, the, the and, end player. And so, still put up some right. good, and still great, put up stats. Yeah. great stats. Great right. stats. So, I, I think – you know, the, the biggest issue, too, has been injuries have really kind of derailed what could have been 
even more spectacular right. of a career for right. this guy. I mean, yeah. the first five seasons, he uh, was almost a pro bowler every season. He had two seasons with 20-plus sacks. Mm-hmm. But then after that, the injury bug kind of started hitting him. He, yeah. he missed games almost yeah. every season after that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the – it, 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 it kind of derailed what was a great career, and I would have loved to have seen more out of him. Mm-hmm. Not not taking anything away. He's, he's played great. He's, right. he's, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Right. I'm just not sure about first ballot, but he's going to be in the Hall because it's right. a great career he's had. And right. I think that I think the injuries was because of the way he played. Yeah. He's, just, got this, yeah. he's got a motor to that, the wall, that yeah. won't quit. Right. And, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. So I think that's what, you know, has caused that. And another, you know, another good thing going for him or whatever. I mean, he's he's one of only three players to ever win the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award three three times. Wow. The other two people in that conversation, Aaron Donald, who I, I believe will be a first ballot right. Hall of Famer, yeah. and Lawrence Taylor, who who was well, a first was. ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. So yeah. he does have the stats. It'll be interesting. You know, I, I think he's, he's darn close. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it will be, you know, be kind good. of – on the on the fence there but yeah even off the field all the off the field stuff you know probably trumps anything that the guy has done you know on the field oh, but yeah. uh great great individual all the way around. right yeah. absolutely yeah, very good all right all right moving on uh speaking of pro bowlers uh tell me what you guys think um who's your biggest snub out of the pro bowl i got mine but uh well, t- you tell me what you guys think. Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, kind of quickly run through the the Pro Bowl list okay, or whatever good. here. Um, you know, and I'll start with the NFC on the on the offensive side of the ball. I'll just kind of hit the starters. I won't go through everybody's name on this on this list, but starting at at QB, you know, currently for you know, obviously playoffs play a factor and mm-hmm. the injuries and all that or whatever. But uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter from the Eagles for at QB for the NFC. Running back, you got Saquon Barkley from the Giants. Fullback, uh, Kyle Jusek from the 49ers. Uh, Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown are, are the starting wide receivers. Uh, George Kittle's the starting tight end. Uh, the two offensive tackles, you got Trent Williams and uh, Lane Johnson. Uh, the offensive guards, you got Zach Martin and uh, Landon Dickerson from the Eagles. Uh, at center, you got Jason Kelsey from, from, the, from the Eagles. So then switching over defense and, and special teams, uh, the defensive ends for for the NFC. You got Nick Bosa from the 49ers and Brian Burns from the from the Carolina Panthers at uh, defensive tackle or nose tackle. You got Aaron Donald and Jonathan Allen. Outside linebacker, you got Micah Parsons and Zadarius Smith. Inside linebackers, uh, you got Fred Fred Warner from uh, San Francisco. Cornerbacks, you got the two starters Darius Slay from the Philadelphia Eagles and Trayvon Diggs from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, free safety, you got Quandre Diggs from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the strong safety, you got Buda Baker from the Arizona Cardinals. And then the special teams, you got the long snapper, uh, Andrew DePaula from Minnesota. Uh, the punter is Trey Way, Tress Way from Washington, the Washington Commanders. Kicker is Jason Myers from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, kick returner, punt returner is uh, Cavante uh, Turpin from the Dallas Cowboys. And then uh, special teamer, which is uh, I guess I didn't realize that was even a, a thing or, you know, something in the pro bowl, but it's usually like the, you know, the guy, the, the gunner, the guy that when they punt the ball, it's the first guy that's getting down there as fast as they can to try to, you know, stop the, the kick return or the punt return. And, and that's going to be uh Jeremy Reeves, uh, the Washington from the Washington commander is going to be the starter at that, at that uh, position. So, you know, based on that, I, I, I think for me, the biggest snub has got to be Christian, Christian McCaffrey. I, I think, um, you know, he, he got obviously traded, you know, kind of midway through the through the season from the 49ers to the, to the Panthers. Um, Panthers is the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but, 
you know, in, in just eight games, he almost has a thousand yards already mm-hmm. with, with San Francisco. And, and in those eight games, San Francisco has gone seven and one. Mm-hmm. And, and I would hate to see what the 49ers would be. I mean, since then, Garoppolo has gone down with a season ending injury. Debo Samuel has been in and out of the lineup with different injuries. Yep. What would this team be if they hadn't have made that trade? Yep. I mean, you can go back and say, the heck with this Pro Bowl. The 49ers might have just won, you know, won the trade deadline, won, you know, for, for the ages because nobody knew that those things were coming. And then right. now it, it's paid dividends. Yeah. You know, for me, San Francisco, they're ranked 25th in rushing offense until Christian McCaffrey showed up. Mm-hmm. He comes in, they're now ranked in the top 10 in rushing offense. Right. I, I just think the guy has made, you know, has done a, a good job or, you know, great job in San Francisco in just a short amount of time. That, that I don't know that too many guys could could do. Right. So, well, and I I totally agree with that. You know, you, you look at Saquon Barkley; he's put up decent stats this year, but when it comes to crunch time and really needing it, mm-hmm. he disappears. Right. And I that's, I, I hate that about him. I, I I don't. I think he's and I think a, a little too highly regarded at this point right. in his career. And I think Barkley is more of a runner. He's yeah. more you know grinded out mm-hmm. between the tackles kind of guy. Right. McCaffrey. I mean, he's thrown for a touchdown. Game breaker. Yeah. Catching touchdowns, running for a touch. I yeah. mean, the guy can do it all. I'll, I make it three for three. That's yeah. who I had, yeah. too. I mean, and I remember, you know, making this statement when that trade was made that the 49ers are instantly a playoff contender, mm-hmm. even possibly a Super Bowl contender mm-hmm. by picking this guy up. Right. And, and, you know, watching him play so far, my opinion, hasn't changed. Absolutely. And just another couple spots I'm not entirely sure about on these starters, you know. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs from the Cowboys. He really hasn't had a great year this year. He played year. better, I thought, last, last year. Way yeah. better last yeah. year. Yeah, he's kind of been picked on at times mm-hmm. this year. And right. Not looking near as good as he did a year ago. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, the, the kicker, Jason Myers from the Seahawks, he's had a pretty good year. But I, I think Dallas's kicker, he's nailed multiple 60-plus yard field goals this mm-hmm. year. He's one of the most accurate kickers in football. Yeah. I think he deserved a shot to be be in that kicker spot. Absolutely. Well, then uh, moving over to the AFC, then I'll start start with the offense. At QB, probably no no surprise here. Patrick Mahomes going to be the starter mm-hmm. from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, running back, you got Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, at fullback, you got Patrick Ricard from from the Baltimore Ravens. Wide receiver, you got Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. Uh, tight end, you got Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Offensive tackle, you got Laramie Tunsil and uh, Teron Armstead from the Miami Dolphins. Offensive guard, you got Joel Petonio from the Cleveland Browns. Quentin Nelson from the Indianapolis Colts. At center, you got Creed Humphrey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and then switching over to the defense and special teams. At defensive end, you got Miles Garrett from the Cleveland Browns and Max Crosby from the Las Vegas Raiders. Defensive tackle slash nose tackle, you got Chris Jones and Quinnen Williams from the New York Jets. Outside linebacker, you got Matt Judon uh, from the New England, New England Patriots and Khalil Mack from the Los Angeles Chargers. Inside linebacker, you got the starter in Rokon Smith, who also was a midseason acquisition from the Baltimore Ravens. At cornerback, uh, rookie Sauce Gardner with the New York Jets and Patrick Sertan um, <clears throat> from the Denver Broncos. Free safety, you got Minka Fitzpatrick from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, strong safety, you got Derwin James from the Los Angeles Chargers. And then moving over to the special teams, you got the long snapper, Morgan Cox from the Tennessee Titans, uh, punter and Tommy Townsend from the Kansas City Chiefs. Kicker, Justin Tucker, probably no no surprise there at the Baltimore Ravens. And then kick returner slash punt returner, you got Devin Duvernay from the Baltimore Ravens. And finally, the special teamer, uh, Justin Hardy from the, from the New York Jets. So 
Guys, what do you think? Any any snubs or any surprises there on that AFC, you know, roster? I guess my surprise is the amount of Browns on this roster yeah. for for a team. Yeah, that... I got a question, Miles Garrett. I, yeah, you know, they, they... He, he's a big name and he's a big dude because mm. you know we watched him work out. We've met yeah. the guy personally, but uh, and he's gotten even bigger since then. He has, but you know, I just don't think the numbers are there. Yeah, this he's year. not having the year you you would you would expect from him, and the the Browns as a team haven't had the year you know that a lot of people kind of expected coming in. Yeah, so I I find that kind of weird. They've got so many starters on this list, but you know I. I think overall, both these lists really aren't bad. Yeah. I, I, I think they made a lot of great choices here. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs mm-hmm, right, trying right. to say somebody was a snub over somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it's tough. You know, one of my surprises are maybe snubs, and it's it's tough because who do you replace at that QB position? You got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow, yeah. right, who right. are the, you know, probably – all interchangeable. Be- not only the best in the AFC, but maybe the best in all of football. Right. But it, 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 it stinks because all the other AFC quarterbacks that are having good years, like Tua, that's having a, having a good year in Miami, and obviously been dealing with injuries and you know whatnot. So that that probably hurts him a little bit. But he's having a, a great year in in Miami. But because of those three guys, you know, in the AFC, it just it, it takes away from him. But right. the biggest one for me, and it's not even a snub, it's it's more of a surprise is TJ Watt. I mean, he made the list, made it in there. Right. The guy's only played eight games. He's got four sacks on the year. The guy that's filled in for him, who probably should be the, you know, probably should have taken his spot. He's got 12 sacks and five forced fumbles in, in you know, the yeah. 12 games or whatever that he's, that he's played. I just think, yeah, TJ Watt, obviously is a household name. He's a right. big name. He, you know, somebody that we're obviously used to seeing, but, He's been injured. He doesn't, the stats just aren't there. Right, right. I, I just don't see how you put him put him in there, especially when the guy that, that took over for him, mm-hmm. his own teammate, it has better stats than him. Yeah, and, and, and you know, just just you know, wasn't sure. obviously. I think the name recognition mm-hmm. just not not there or whatever. But so that that was for me. I think overall, I think the list was pretty pretty good. You know, yeah, on the, on the AFC so AFC side, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just you know, surprised that T.J. Watt was able to make it even with the injury that 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 he did, and you know, just not having the numbers there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, time for the amateur ranks, and uh, you know, the big bowl big bowl games coming up. One of them that we're going to talk about is getting played right now, and that's that Tennessee Clemson game. Uh, why don't we just start with that game, fellas? Yeah. You know, it's it's seven nothing right now. Tennessee's up on Clemson, uh, but. Uh, Tell me who you picked in your bowl pick them in this game. Yeah. Well, I thought I, I I'm gonna maybe take an O for here. I, <laughs> I I picked Clemson to win this game, and and I definitely did not see it being seven to nothing. You know, going into almost halftime here, I thought there'd be a little bit more points scored on the board, but right. I thought Clemson's offense would be a little bit more rejuvenated. Mostly, not maybe because Clemson's offense is that phenomenal, but Tennessee's defense is that bad, especially mm. in the in the passing game. I mean. It's the fifth fifth worst passing defense in the yeah. in the NCAA, giving up almost 300 passing yards a game. And, and, and you know they do really well on the on the rushing attack. They only give up about 100 yards, you know, rushing. But I, I thought Clemson would be able to you know attack those those the secondary for for Tennessee. But so far through the game, they they just have not. I mean, Tennessee's been getting a lot of pressure, which I didn't see coming. Yeah, um, I, on this Clemson, you know, offensive line I thought would hold up a lot a lot better. So. So far, it's it's a shocking one, but you know, obviously, Clemson's not out of it. Only you know, and, and Tennessee, they've been off the charts as far as offense goes, right. but obviously, have a a lot of kind of a backup you know team out there. I mean, Hendon Hooker not out there. Their two best receivers, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, not out there either. Uh, so yeah, obviously, 
that's uh, that plays a big factor with all the, the opt outs and transfers and all that stuff. You know, that plays a big factor in right. who you who you pick nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Clemson would come out with a little bit more fire, mm. made the switch at quarterback. And I thought, you know, I thought that was going to be the difference maker for them. We'll, we'll see what the what the rest of the you know second half brings. But yeah, yeah. they get fourteen nothing. <laughs> yeah, fourteen nothing. So yeah. well, coming into this game, and I'll, I'll let you all look at my notes. I did pick Tennessee uh-huh. here. I, they're up fourteen nothing. It's making me very happy right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, watching this season, Clemson struggled against the better opponents they've played all year. Mm-hmm. They yeah, they they've pulled out a lot of wins. But they they've been close contests yeah. against teams that probably shouldn't even be that close to them. Mm. And the only other SEC team they played this year in South Carolina, they lost thirty to thirty one. Mm-hmm. Now Tennessee lost to South Carolina like thirty to sixty or yeah, something like right. that. But that was the game. Hendon Hooker went out. Right. Quick change there. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's really no continuity in that game for Tennessee. So I, I don't give so much to that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, both these teams coming to this game were playing with backup quarterbacks. You had Hendon Hooker you know, tearing his ACL. And then South Carolina, DJ Ugalele, uh, he entered the transfer portal. I believe he's off to Oregon to State. Oregon State, yep. yeah. So, uh, you know. It doesn't make sense to me either, but. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, with, with both these guys playing their backup quarterbacks, I, I think it kind of takes it back to status quo. Mm-hmm. And I just I think Tennessee's played better as a team throughout the year this year, and I, I, I picked them to win this one. All right. Well, I had Clemson as well, Colton, and uh-huh. I, you know, and I same thing. You know, two of your best receivers out, and obviously Hendren Hooker out. You know, uh, the, he did it all for him this season on the ground through the air. You know, I don't know. I guess I just didn't even really give Tennessee a shot at this, but. Uh, Looks like I should have uh, reconsidered. <laughs> Check my notes a little closer. Yeah, evidently. Um, what game you want to do next here? What do we got? We got uh, – how about the Rose Bowl? We'll talk about a Big Ten school. Penn State, Utah. Utah's favored by, uh, you know, two points in this. And mm-hmm. I think I think Utah's going to put up points. I don't know. You know, Penn State has got a decent defense there. I don't know. Utah might struggle. They might not, you know – put up the big numbers maybe that they had, you know, through the season against some of those other, you know, teams out West. So we'll see how this one goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like Utah to get the, get the win in this one. I mean, yeah, it's obviously Vegas thinks it's going to be, be a close one, you know, two point, two point game, but I just look at Utah's defense. I, I think that for me, Penn state is, is one, one dimensional. They got those two freshman running backs and Nick Singleton and, and Katron Allen who were having, you know, phenomenal seasons, but, Utah's defense, you know, we saw what they did to USC, not only in the Pac-12 championship game, but what they did to them, you know, in the regular season too. I mean, I just think that they're going to make Penn State one-dimensional, make Sean Clifford have to beat them with his with his arm. And, and when that happens, I just don't trust Sean Clifford in a, in a big game, big moment. I, I like Utah to get it done, but I do expect this one to be kind of a back-and-forth contest, Utah to pull it out, you know, super late in this one. Yeah. Yeah, look, looking at this game, these two teams play a very similar style of football, and statistically, they're both very close uh, throughout, throughout all the stats. Uh, I just I don't think Penn State's offense is going to be able to keep up. And if you're asking me if I'm taking Sean Clifford to Cam Rising, right. I'm going Cam Rising right. all all night long. That guy's just a, a leader, a winner. Finds he ways refuses to, make to plays. lose. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, yeah, I'll take him every day. Of the week. I agree, and I wasn't impressed with the way Penn State played against better teams mm-hmm. you know they beat the teams that they were supposed to beat right. but against good teams i didn't think they looked that great i, I got yeah. utah to win this one as well yeah. so all right who, who you got next cole uh we got uh we'll go to the the sugar bowl in uh alabama uh coming in at 10 and 2 and 
Kansas State at, at ten and three. You know, uh, Big Twelve champions in Kansas State. You know, knocked off. You know, two, uh, TCU who's in the college football mm-hmm. playoff. But you know, Vegas still likes Alabama in this one by almost a touchdown, six six and a half points yeah. in in this yeah. one. Um, but but for me, I, I think Alabama. I think Alabama gets it done. I think Kansas State. You know, shocks them and keeps it keeps it close. Mm-hmm. I think you know Kansas State has a lot more to play for, or maybe you know, Alabama comes into this one, which Alabama team are we going to see? Are they going to be motivated to play in this game or, or, or are they going to just, you know, come in and, and sleepwalk through it? I, I think at the end of the day, Alabama has something to prove. I, I think, you know, obviously they wanted to get their shot to get back into that playoff, right. you know, didn't happen. You know, the committee didn't pick them. I think Nick Saban will have their, their guys ready to play. Obviously, you know, like we talked before, in this season of bulls where guys are opting out, transferring, not playing, you know, whatever Alabama's top guys decided they're, they're coming bad. They're going to play in this one. They're going to, you know, make it worth their while. I think that's the difference in this one. You know, the Alabama just has too much talent on, on both sides of the ball and Kansas state can keep it, keep it close. But right. I think ultimately Alabama just has too much star power. I think Alabama gets it. Yeah, and you just answered one of my questions. I wasn't entirely sure about coming into this is it did Alabama have anybody opting out? Nope. I thought maybe the quarterback may, nope. may not play. So yeah, I, I think with, with everybody playing for Alabama, I think this is a no brainer. Alabama is statistically better in every category than Kansas state. Alabama's played better competition all year long. This I, I think six and a half points may not be enough. I, I think Alabama wins, wins big. Right. I got Alabama as well in this. I think, you know, I think Saban, like Colton said, has impressed upon his team how important this is for Alabama, you know, not only for for this team that, that will take the field here in a couple of days, but also for, you know, the program going forward, mm-hmm. you know, as far as recruiting and, yep. you know, and, you know, that aspect. So I, I like Alabama in this one also. Right. So. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. We got what? The co- co- Cotton, Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tulane and US- USC. Uh, again, another one that that uh, Vegas has very close. It got USC by two points. And uh, I got I got to I got to agree. I got USC also. All right. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be interesting because, again, it, it's going to be you, you come into these and you see which team is most the most motivated, mm-hmm. who wants to play or who thinks these games really matter at, at this point in the season. Because, I mean, at, at the way that, you know, the college playoff and how it works, I mean, it almost seems like if you don't make that playoff, the game doesn't mean anything. You know, a lot right. of players don't stick around, that they don't get motivated to play. So what USC team are we gonna are we gonna see? Obviously their star wide receiver in Jordan Addison, not gonna play, but still got two capable wide receivers right behind him that 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 are gonna, you know, still play and play well. And and obviously the Heisman winner in Caleb Williams, we know what he's capable of. Right. I think Tulane comes out hot. They they get off to kind of a fast start. But I think USC with that that higher high powered offense, and yes, their defense is bad and 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 whatnot. But they do get turnovers. They force mm. turnovers in bunches. And I think for a team like Tulane, they have to play a near perfect game to to right. pull off you know an upset or play like that. I just don't know that I can trust them enough to do that. Mm. I think USC, you know, with Caleb Williams there behind the helm, I think that's the difference in this one. USC comes out on, on top in this game. <clears throat> yeah, this Tulane team can put up some points, Absolutely. and I, I think they are going to score here, especially against the poorest USC defense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, with, with, the, with the Heisman Trophy uh, winning quarterback coming back and playing in this game here, I, I just I don't see Tulane being able to keep up. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to make play after play after play. Right. I, I think they'll probably score almost every possession. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tulane will be able to slow him down. I think two points is 
nowhere near close enough to a spread. I think USC walks well, away. I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how you get that when you know these teams. I think are going to put up big points. Mm-hmm. So how do you yeah. narrow it down yeah, to like two, two points? Right. That's going to be tough. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's see. What do we got left then? Um, I think just the, the, the two big ones. The yeah. Bowl. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's do the Fiesta Bowl since that's the first game on tomorrow. Uh, you got TCU coming in with one loss against an undefeated Michigan team. The spread's still seven and a half points. Um, you know that this I think this one's going to be whoever can control the trenches. I think uh, you know in years past it's been a Michigan team that had trouble with a with a quarterback that could scramble, but I think they fixed those problems, mm-hmm. you know, and we know that uh, Max Duggan can do that, but I think, I think Michigan has fixed those problems. They got, you know, they got guys on defense with the speed that can, that can defend that now. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, he's proven that he can load a team on his back and beat good teams in close games. Mm-hmm. He did it all season long. Um, but, I don't know. I, I, I got to agree with, I got to agree with Las Vegas on this. I think, um, I think they haven't seen a, a run, a running attack like they're going to see from a, from that team, you know, from Ann Arbor. And uh, I like the maize and blue tomorrow to, to get this thing done. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, obviously TCU has been a, been a team of, of destiny. I mean, this team, nobody expected them to be here. Nobody mm-hmm. even expected them to be any close anywhere to the top in the big 12, let alone, you know, in the, in the college. And the Heisman contending quarterback right. wasn't even the starter day one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it, you can't make this stuff up, but you know, TCU, you know, eight of their 12 games, they won by 10 or fewer points. I mean, mm-hmm. they've been a team that's, that's come back and, and just, you know, just doing enough to get, get wins. Uh, but I, I just think this Michigan team is, is built, built differently. I mean, TCU, they're going to hit some big plays. That's what their offense is built around, hitting the beat, hitting the deep ball, hitting those big, getting those big explosive plays. But, you know, so Michigan's defense, they got to be ready for it. They got to know it's coming, that they're going to give up some of those big plays, but don't let those big plays turn into another big play and then another big play. Right. You just got to got to settle down, you know, play, play what you've been doing all year. I, I like Michigan to, you know, do what they do best, run the ball, manage, you know, hold that ball, control the clock, get a win against this TCU ranked, you know, 90th rushing defense. They allowed almost 150 rushing yards during the season. And they haven't, like, like dad said, they haven't seen a rushing mm-hmm. attack like this, you know, in, in, in Michigan. And I, I think like Michigan to get a win and, and get a big win here and, and move on to the national championship. Yeah. Coming into this game, Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite. Both these teams are averaging 40 points a game, so they can both score a lot. The difference in this game is going to be the defense, though. Michigan's given up 13 points a game compared to TCU. They're giving up 25 points per game. If TCU gets down early like they have many games so far this season, I don't like their chances because this Michigan D gets better as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. They've let, they take small leads and they snowball into big leads yeah. because that defense – you know, they, you're pressing to come back. You're trying to make a play, and that defense does something spectacular. Mm-hmm. And all, all of a sudden, a small lead, a, a 20, 25 point victory. And, so, and the yeah. offense can yeah. control the ball and control the clock so, as well. Yeah, I, 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 I look for Michigan to win, win easy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the, the, then the late game tomorrow, Matt, you got your team going into the Peach Bowl. You know, going to be kind of a probably a, you know, maybe if you want to call it a home crowd, although Ohio State, uh, Always you know, travel. Their fans man. always travel well. Uh, from what I'm hearing from my ticket broker friend, he, he said if, if it's 60-40, the Buckeyes are doing good. He thinks it'll probably be closer to 730 Georgia fans. Yeah, but even yeah. even that's good right. yeah, in that that's stadium. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not yeah. bad, that that close to their home stadium. Right. Which, uh, 
the spread from what I just saw has dropped down to six points, but mm -hmm. you know, that really has more to do with what, how people are betting mm -hmm. really than to anything to do with like what's going on, on what's the going field. on with the team right, or the right. players or anything else. So, uh, Give me your guys' thoughts on this one. You know, also, I, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Right. It, it depends on what Buckeye team shows up. Yep. If, if they play their best game, they're capable of winning this game and mm -hmm. actually probably winning big. Mm -hmm. But their best team doesn't always show up and right. hasn't really for the last three weeks of the regular season. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were kind of on a downward slide going into that Michigan game, and every, everything that I was worried about going into that game came to fruition. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if they did get refocused and, and they play the type of football they can play, they can win this game. They I, have just, the I just don't know. They have the talent to do it. I just I have no idea at this point what team's going to show up. Mm -hmm. is, is Ryan Day going to make the yeah. changes? Is, is the defensive coordinator going to make changes to his game plan? Right. Or they, is the status quo just going to happen? If the status quo happens, the Buckeyes are in trouble. Yeah. But right. if they make some changes and play like they can play, anything's possible. In this Absolutely. Game. Yeah, I think – this this Georgia team, obviously, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, they, they lost eight starters to the to the NFL last year, and we thought, geez, there's no way. That's eight starters. They lost, I think, eleven or twelve guys on the defense total. I mean, they lost their whole defense pretty much, and they came back and were just as good, if not better, than what they were last year. I mean, they're only allowing twelve points a game, and they're the number one rushing defense in the in the league, which may not spell well against the Buckeyes who like to, you know, throw it around right. and, you know, and, whatnot. And that is where they have chinks in their armor. Right, right. right. So, you know, there there is a possibility there. And, and this Georgia team, they're dealing with some injuries of their own. Um, you know, their leading receiver in Ladd McConkey, he left the SEC game with a knee injury and has been dealing kind of with knee injury or knee soreness throughout the whole year. I mean, I think he's going to play in this one, but how healthy is he? Is he 100%? You know, what, what does that do to Georgia's offense? Right. And even their starting offensive tackle, he suffered a sprained MCL in the SEC championship game. Is he at 100%? Is he going to, you know, and obviously that, that Ohio State defense, they do have a good pass rush. They can get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But for me, a stat that really pops out that, you know, I had no idea until, until looking into the numbers, Georgia's offense, number one in red zone conversions, they score on 97, almost 98% of their red zone conversions. So it, it – if Ohio State's defense or Ohio State's going to have a chance, they cannot let them get past basically the 50-yard line or get within, you know, scoring distance because right. if they do, they're, it, putting, up they're putting up points. And that that's not, you know, that's not good for a Ohio State team that who knows what could happen right. with this Georgia defense. I think you got to limit, you know, you got to get Georgia's offense off the field quick. Um, but and, I think for both these teams, it, you can't be trading field goals for touchdowns. Right. You, you got, we got to be getting in the end yep, zone. Yep, absolutely. And, and I think for me, I think the difference in that one is, is Georgia. I don't know what where this Ohio State team is coming into this game, if they're ready to go, motivated, not motivated. I like a Georgia team that, that I think is motivated mm -hmm. to, to say, hey, we won the national championship game, but we're not, we're not done. We're, we want to win back-to-back. -back. We right. want to be just like Alabama. We want to be like what Nick Saban was with that Alabama team. I like Georgia, but I think it's going to be be a close close game. I, I like you know Ohio State to keep keep themselves in it, but but ultimately I think you know that that experience and talent there with with Georgia to to pull it out and, and get a win and move on to the national championship. But man, how cool would a Buckeye Michigan national well, championship you know, game be? And I was going to mention that I worry about that for the Ohio State players. I I hope they haven't focused too much on that mm -hmm. getting back to a rematch, right. or even not, on the flip side, Michigan looking at it either. Oh, like, exactly. You know, yeah, because yeah. I I would love to see two big two mm -hmm. big 
Big yeah, Ten teams in that national championship. That, that would be freaking awesome. But I just, you know, to, to make that your focus mm-hmm. and not focus on Georgia or for Michigan to make that your focus and not fo- focus on TCU. Right. Um, that that spells danger all danger, over. Danger, absolutely. Over because, you know, that's two good teams you're going in. You right. know, you're going in against. They're, they're here for a reason. They didn't right. just, you know, just get here because right. nope, they didn't have anybody else. They're here because they were, you know, the four best teams in the in the country. So, um, but, yeah, it's going to be going to be an interesting one. We'll see, you know, who. Who pulls it out? You know who takes home some some bowl games. So my pick, I, I, I can't bet against Georgia. Yeah. I guess I, if I'm going to take safe money, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vegas. I think actually it'll probably be closer than six points. I don't think I don't think Georgia will cover the spread, but I I do think Georgia will get the win. Mm-hmm. And all just right. just to note, I didn't make a pick. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for the for the show this week. We uh, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts Colton Cow. Chief Rob Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics or future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to feel reach, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram or uh, over on Facebook. Our handle on Instagram is uh, fired up underscore podcast. Or if you search on Facebook for fired up comma sports podcast, you can find, a, you know, find our show, find us and, you know, hit us up. We'd love to hear from our from our fans. So. And as always, you can head over to our uh, to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can check out all of our past episodes and, you know, find some links and a little bit of information about, about the show. And, you know, if you want to hear this episode or, you know, some of our past episodes, you can uh, find them on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of, Google, Apple, Spotify, Pandora. So we'd appreciate you guys listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.